The Commander Crunch Podcast is brought to you by puremtgo.com. Head over there for great articles covering all formats of the game we all love. This podcast is also brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, your home for magic card auctions in Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Now, on to the podcast. It's breakfast time. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode 25. You're here for your nutritious serving of tasty Commander treats on the regular. We're all about celebrating the culture, community, and creativity of primarily our favorite format of Magic the Gathering, uh, which is Commander, uh, plus a side serving of entertainment and pop culture discussions for ancillary influences. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Sam. Uh, you could call me the Stormcrow dude to the old dude in, in Coldheim. I, I, I butchered that that reference, but uh, the old dude being Chesh. How you doing, Chesh? You butchered the fuck out uh, of that. I was like, I forgot his name, and yeah, you know, yeah, we'll we'll get into the uh, the cards, and we'll be able to explain who that is. But I like the analogy. I think that's that's me and you. I'm the I'm the bird. I mean, you're the old dude. As long as magic ends up having an old man who likes to yell at clouds, then yes, you can call me <laughs> yes, old, exactly. old cloudy yellow. <laughs> Just wait for it. I'm building mono blue old man who yells at clouds and has a bird friend. Yeah, exactly. So Elrond is his name, god of the cosmos, but we'll get into that, of course. Uh, <laughs> good times. Uh, yeah, so how you doing, Josh? What's been happening? Oh, I'm doing all right. Not much been happening. Uh, gearing up for obviously like lots of really stupid shit that we're doing at the moment with uh, NBA. I was going to say, yeah, that, basketball you know, stuff, right? Yeah, dropping two thousand dollars Australian on basketball cards feels really um, not actually good. <laughs> feels scary, <laughs> when it's not your money. Heart drops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh boy, investors, yeah. right? And that was. But we've got a special guest. That's yeah. what this is. What oh, this yeah, is about. Deflect attention from the, from the money that Cheshire spent. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, as as we love to do around here, our guest profiles uh, with the community and creators have become the place to share and explore the essence of Commander uh, and and why we play an effort to promote and celebrate these and just explore that uh we're joined this week by yet another awesome guest and one of personally my favorite people in the community that we've we've had so many great games with and just had so many great discussions with it's the super commander community member artisan of bespoke deck brews uh also known on cco as fu lenny it's of course lenny woolly aka ajani's gay pride mate how you doing man I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, also, just a quick note, uh, it's F-U-L-E-M-M-Y L-E-M-M-Y <laughs> on the CCO Discord. There's a story oh, there. Yes, yes. Yeah, I need to hear that because it's, of course, CCO listeners will know everyone uh, at a certain patron tier or, or level of respect get a uh, get an amazing name that is stuck with them. They have to accept it. It's, it is what it is. Uh, it's just a rite of passage. And uh, yeah, I, I need to know what, what the deal is there. I'm guessing they're like, oh, Lenny wants to be called Lenny. We're going to call him Lemmy. So, uh, um, oh, no, there's so much more. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, also, oh, the one I forgot, uh, yeah, also one half of one of the great uh, EDH power couples in the Commander uh, community with uh, Steven. So shout out to Steven. Oh yeah, uh, uh, we we should get him playing more commanders so we can cement our power couple status. Totally, and and I think there's a, there's a few uh, chats about some um, some great commander couple league things going on. I remember it was like uh, there was talk of having Andy from uh, Guardian Project in there. Uh, who else was there? I know. Um, 
uh, what is it like MTG Filthy Casuals? I think that's the one. There's one uh, there, but there's a Aaron Campbell as well. Aaron Campbell, and, Aaron Campbell as well. Uh, oh, and yeah. Nick, yeah. Well, speaking of, well, uh, we we may or may not be having Nick on the uh, the show next week. Uh, so little spoiler alert there, and Andy from Scrap Trollers. So it's going to be a fun time for sure. <laughs> Love it, um, but yeah, super excited to have Lenny around this week because uh, there's there's a lot to go through. Like I say, we've 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 had so many chats over what's felt like years in uh, as we we're at home playing Commander and everything. But um, yeah, the last six months more or less, uh, and I remember hearing of Lenny uh, for quite some time on CCO and going, "Who is this uh, lovely person that keeps getting shouted out?" And, and you know, getting the fu and everything, and uh, and and just also taking note of being responsible for for quite a few amazing brews that really align with the type of stuff i think cheshire myself loves to do and why commander is exciting all that there's a couple of like uh mutual interests in board games things like that we'll get to as well but um yeah pretty much i just want to uh see see what makes uh lenny tick and we'll run just run burying in. that lead on board games good job yeah, exactly, exactly. No, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. You know how tangents go for sure. But uh, yeah, uh, want to run through and, and uh, run run Lenny through the Gorton Love profile questions, of course. And um, then also there's some Coldheim stuff that we didn't get to last week because we preserved that uh, that experience uh, on behalf of, of Mr. Bevers because um, Mr. Bevers made that excellent point that some people might not actually uh, want to absorb all the, all the spoilers and might actually preserve them for when it's, hey, it's pre-release time. You just rip a kid open and you're like, what are these cards? And, and absolutely savor that. So we're going to run through, I think, to start with, uh, might replace Brewer's Notes. That's fine, I think, because I haven't brewed anything this week. And I'm, I think Cheshire's still on the same Averna kick. Uh, but just running through a couple of things from Coldheim that we have seen since we last talked about any previews of spoilers, which was... I think before Christmas, we've got quite a few of them here now, and it's shaping up to be a fun set. But without doing a full set review, we can uh, we can just dive in and, and see if there's anything absolutely tickling our fancy right now. Because I know this is a fun time for hey, I want to build this. Look at this, fits in that deck, whatever. So uh, without any real structure, I'm going to kind of dive right in and, and just let's nerd out about some amazing cold time stuff that's come out and, and start with, I mean, Chesh, Lenny, either of you, anything uh, off Can the top I of your Can I start? Because I, I, I want to yell about something. Well, you yelled last time. Like, Where's the boats, man? So, yeah, exactly. All right, jump into it, Chesh. What do, what do you got from cold time that's, uh, that's, that's got you fancy? Thanks, for giving me my fucking boat. <laughs> it's a pity that the longboat is a funeral longboat with shit stats and doesn't do anything. Oh, I don't I think... mean, probably, I'm sure it's fine for uh, Limited, but quite frankly, it's it's just a shitty funeral longboat. That's... It is a wh- common... Why did we need a funeral longboat? Is... Uh, I mean, there's other boats, though. Like, we'll get them, but uh, what? Uh, underneath is Raiders Carve, three-mana artifact vehicle, but this is, you of course, talking about funeral longboat, two-mana artifact mm-hmm. vehicle, 3-3, three, three, Vigilance Crew 1. Yeah, like yeah. just vehicles are fun. The most, I mean, boring, boring, boring thing I've ever seen. Did they not make up for it with the boat commander? That's where no. I was going with that, Lenny. That's where I was going. Chesh, have you seen the boat commander? I haven't, and it won't make up for it. 
I don't um, know. I think it will. <laughs> Let's have a chat about this. <laughs> they made a boat as a commander. I mean, uh, you know me. I love skeleton ship, and I've I've waxed lyrical about how good a boat in your command zone is because what the hell? It's a it's a not a creature, <laughs> but anyway, uh, they made. So we'll get straight into this one. Cosma, god of the voyage. Uh, legendary creature god. So it's mono blue, two, yeah, two and a blue for two four. There's a bit of text on this one, but I'll run through it because it's important. It's a boat. Uh, this side, sorry, it's an MDFC, so it does flip. Uh, this side says at the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile Cosima if you do it gains whenever a land enters a battlefield under your control. If Cosima is ex- exiled, you may put a voyage counter on it. If you don't return Cosima to the battlefield with X one one counters on it and draw X cards where X is the number of voyage counters on it. That's a lot to take in. However, you can cast it on the flip side for one the blue for the omen kill. Uh, and the Omen Kill is a legendary artifact vehicle, 3-3, three, three, and Crew 1. Oh, that's pretty... That's like Smuggler's Copter. Okay. Uh, whenever a vehicle you control deals combat damage to a player, that, that player exiles that many cards from the top of their library. You may play lands from those uh, from among those cards uh, for as long as they remain exiled. Jesh, we have a boat commander. I'm bored. <laughs> no, I know. I'm there's bored. a lot to read. There's a lot to unpack. I freaking love this card. It's, it's so think, cool. Lenny? I, you know so what? I cool. love it. It's so flavorful, but also playable. Also, yeah. altarists get to work on your Moana altars. Yeah. I was going to say Marge Simpson, but yeah, sure. <laughs> righto, righto. I love it. Uh, but uh, it, it's got that effect that's a little bit like a, a deck I was thinking about putting together recently uh, that I saw someone reference as Wet Daxos, which is which is rather rather humoring. Uh, it's the Daxos of Miletus, I think. Is that the one? The, the Azorius one. Uh, in that, it's kind of just casually playing other people's cards. Uh, yeah, can't be blocked by creatures of threat, power three or greater. When it deals combat damage, you exile the top card of that player's library. You gain life equal to it, and until end of turn, you may cast it. That kind of thing. It's 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 pretty casual. Uh, it, like it's not full ripping massive spells off their library and put casting for free or anything. It's it's kind of just a little bit of fun. But I got that vibe, and then the whole uh, the bit like drawing cards when it's kind of exiling in with landfall. It's it's all. There's going to be a few layers of this card to unpack in a nice way, I think, that um, you'll find little interactions with cards you didn't expect, uh, and I think they all, they'll continue to come out. But I don't know. It's just it's, it's, it's the type of thing that may not be that. Like, I don't know. People probably want to build a boat, but, uh, you know, I think it's a bit of a, a cool EDH hipster uh, choice for sure. So I look forward to it. Lenny, do you have any, uh, any you're, you're really excited about at the moment? Uh, uh, oh, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh... I mean, there, there was a tweet this morning. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that one later. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because uh, I think I'm more excited for the joke potential of that card than the actual any use of it. Yeah, and shoring up why it's weaknesses and everything. So, we'll, yeah, exactly. Uh, oh man, please don't start me on the the discussion of white. I'm not ready for that now. No, exactly. And I, I'm I'm pretty like fine on it. Whatever. I'm not not too serious. But it's like mm, it it is what it is. I guess. And I say that and watch yeah. me name like six white cards. Okay. <laughs> so first thing I got to say about this list is I think that I have this list on my architect that is Hans Ericsson Bear Tribal. Mm. 
Mm. And I'm going to completely have to redo that list. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cause, yeah, because the men of Kaldheim. Hmm. Uh, now, now, as for cards that I'd actually play, uh, Radon or Radani, God of the Worthy, I'm very interested in that for my Linvala deck because she flies and she does some things that that deck is very interested in. Oh, absolutely. Um, what else? It's nice. It's a. It's uh, got oh, we should we should actually read her. Artifact. Yeah, I was gonna say it's. Uh, looking at it now, it's like uh, there was a there was a, f- a funny comment. Someone's like, "Oh, I don't look forward to seeing that." I think it's Chris Von Doom. It's great. Uh, oh, it's him. Someone else, anyway, uh, saying I don't look forward to seeing this in the command zone, and it's like, oh, it's mono white. See how it goes. But uh, Redan, God of the Worthy, is two and a white. Uh, for a 2-3 flying vigilance uh, legendary creature god snowlands your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped oh that's going to be a funny one to kind of throw people off guard uh, non-creature spells your opponents cast with converted mana cost 4 or greater cost 2 more to cast okay <laughs> that's actually quite a nice one I like it and uh, flip it to go artifact uh, for 4 mana so 3 and a white Vel- Velk Mirror the Protector's Shield, legendary artifact, if a source an opponent controls would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent one of that damage. Uh, whenever you or another permanent you control becomes the, t- the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless its control pays one. That's a spicy one. So, um, yeah, it's uh, a little bit of, uh, we were talking before about hate birds. Is that kind of the line you're, you're thinking of? Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of thinking, uh, well, I guess to really get into the nuts and bolts of it, like a lot of the <laughs> Wraths in the game sit at four or greater, and uh, I have my Linvala Shield of Seagate deck, which is all about making sure that people cannot possibly remove the stuff that I have. And yeah. so there's a lot to be said for pushing out the Wraths and stuff that people want to play into mm. like where it's harder for them to resolve multiple spells in a turn if they want to try to stop my board. Yeah. It's, and it's then we've talked about other- a little bit before about like not fully prohibiting people from doing things, but it's like you just put it out of limits to make it so inconvenient then it's like, oh, it's it's you know Yeah. It's just enough to go, oh actually that's just, I can't actually do this anymore. And then surprise, surprise, white is actually really good at getting creatures back that are three CMC or less. So <laughs> Oh, yeah. Shout out to Teshar, right? <laughs> mm, yeah, I, I do love me some Teshar. That was the deck I forgot about that you own. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have to talk about Teshar. That's a good time for sure. Uh, I want to see if, uh, yeah, I so, so one I was I was particularly interested in, of course, I'll run the God of the Cosmos. As I said, uh, this is Cheshire myself. I can be the little crow on the shoulder. Um, it's pretty cool. Uh, Cheshire, you need to grow a big beard the way no. that this can work no uh <laughs> legendary creature takes god too long. what's that takes too long yeah it does yeah i i, I kind of reach a point of spindliness in my face and it's like this is this is uncomfortable and i don't like it um elrond is of course legendary creature god one one for five mana so three blue blue elrond gets plus one plus one for each card in your hand and each foretold card you own in exile now we haven't talked about foretold yet but i can probably get to that very briefly in a second uh, at the beginning of your end step, choose a card type, then reveal the top two cards of your library, put all cards of the chosen type into your hand and the rest onto the bottom of the library in any order. Bit of fun. Uh, flip it over. Hakar, the most badass crow you've ever seen, Whispering Raven. Um, one the blue for two, three. So this is okay. This is where, yeah, Stormcrow got really pushed. <laughs> 
legendary creature bird uh, flying whenever Haka Whispering Raven deals combat damage to a player return it to its owner's hand then scry two so two mana two three so you get a storm crow hit in uh, for once and then it returns to the hand and you can turn into the gold blader kind of thing I just think this is really nifty design it's it's really cool it's not like I don't see anything overly abusable it's just quite sensible uh, the foretell, the foretold thing is interesting, being that that mechanic is pretty much just uh, putting a down payment on a card and being able to cast it for a little bit cheaper later because you've already paid the two mana, kind of like a morph for your cards. Or as Jason Alt eloquently put it on um, uh, the latest Brainstorm Brewery, he just said uh, it's it's putting it on layaway, which I like. Um, and there's going to be some fun things with Eldrazi processes maybe, but that's that's pretty much all that needs to be said about Foretold. But yeah, you, do you see anything, do you guys see anything to do with this card or is it just me going, this is actually just a sweet old dude and a, and a cool Stormcrow? Uh, Jess, you got anything? <laughs> it looks okay. Exactly, it looks okay. So I don't think anyone's going to overly kill the bird or the, the old man in the command zone. So I kind of, I know, I'm kind of down with it. I like it. Yeah, I'm into it. I, I'm I'm considering yeah. it for my flyers deck for sure. Yeah, nice. So which what, which one's your flyers deck? That's Linvala, so Shield of Seagate. I, oh, it is. It is that exactly. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, I wondered if that was another amazing brew, which we'll uh, we'll, we'll get to some of those anyway. Uh, also, we saw Vorinclex was one of the earlier kind of spoilers. That was a, a bit of a surprise to, to show up in the uh, the set, which is you know is what it is uh does some counter stuff the one that happened yesterday i think a few people kind of blew up about uh was that mono green one did you guys see that with the poison counters yeah yeah i did see that uh that was the time uh, um was it I I, i'm not ready to deal with people asking for 15 in fact in commanders <laughs> i'm just I, I, exactly i i did my time with that in 2011 and like all the way through 2015 when people kind of eased off on it i don't want to go back yeah yeah exactly chess did you say this one no finn the fang bearer one and a green for a one three legendary creature human warrior death touch whenever a creature you control with death touch deals combat damage to a player that player gain uh, gets two poison counters this is your commander my dude why is that? No, absolutely not. And I'll tell you why. Because mono green is why. <laughs> yeah, true. Mono green's fun. There's, you, you know, it's got enough stuff. Surely you're just not. You it do not like green as a color, dude. It does not have enough stuff to make it worth it in the long run to use it in this type of deck. Like it, when it comes to commander, it just does not have enough. That's where that problem is. Oh, true, but like um, uh, this card is it sweet? Um, yeah, it's all right. Do I see it like working in other formats? Meh. Am I puzzled that we've got a a new uh, after all this time we've got a new poison commander? Yeah, that's weird. It is pretty what, weird. What is going on exactly? I mean, people talk about Vorinclex, as we said before, being a natural partner there because, uh, what was it? Uh, new Vorinclex, 6 mana, 6-6, six, six, Trample Haste, Phyrexian Praetor. Uh, if if you would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, put twice that many of each each kinds of counters on that permanent player instead. If an opponent would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, that that they put this is really hard to one to read they put half that many of each of those kind of counters on that permanent player and said round it down so 
double, yeah, essentially you, got, you hit your six drop and it's double infect, whatever. But uh, I'm sure we'll see it. But I, I maybe you're right, actually, Jess. Like, you're sticking to mono green. How many death touch things are you really going to hit? It's probably just a bunch of little snakes and stuff. And how much is that then? I don't know. I think you can make a viable deck for sure, but it might get a bit linear. Well, that's, and that's the thing, right? Like, you don't want your deck to be linear. Yeah, it's just boring. You want your deck to be able to do things instead of just a thing. Yeah. I mean, and this put- very much feels like if you play this as your commander, it's a deck doing a thing and not many things. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. And I think all power to people to, to put decks together for that kind of thing. But it's... And it may be just a flash in the pan type thing that I remember when I built... Uh, remember Charix, the, uh, the Raging Crab? And uh, that... <laughs> I played that three games with it. It was funny, one, two of them. And uh, I was like, yeah, it's, it's shown all its things. It's just been a massive crab. You flip the, you, yeah, I did the well, thing. I flipped the power on top of us. Woo. And, uh, that's because blue is such a good color. Yeah, oh, that's true. Because blue just absolutely locks down and controls the game, whereas green can't do that. I mean, but this was a Mono fun one that is like, it was, game it was blue in battle. So it was like more combat-y stuff, I guess. It wasn't so much about shutting down other people, but. It really was like here's your Voltron thing, protect the protect the asset and get it through with the payload to the face and you know delete players kind of thing. So um, there was there was a time <laughs> exactly. So uh, I don't know if there's any others without going too far down the rabbit hole of other things that have come out in cold time. The like wild about did you? I mean the one of them more just for the art, but did you guys see? Uh, and probably more directed at Chesh as the cat person. Uh, did you see the little cat bus? The cat wagon? No. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we talked about this last week. Did we? Oh, maybe pre-show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe pre-show. But, yeah. the cat. No, we definitely the, talked about it last there's, week. There's, there's some of the most adorable cat art you've ever seen. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, there was the other one. Sorry. One more card before we move on to some other stuff. Uh, Mystic Reflection was really interesting. So, did you see this? The one in a blue instant. Choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature and foretell for blue. So you can, uh, during your turn, pay the two to exile it face down and then you can cast it for blue at any time. So you pay the down payment. Uh, the funny one with this one was rocking this in response to uh, Avenger of Zendikar. So you get like a stupid amount. <laughs> I don't want to do the math, but it's a stupid amount, essentially, as you can imagine, because all the things I think the look. F- if we're going blue green, well, think yeah, about it. Yeah, a, what, what think can you about not it do for a exactly? second? Uh, isn't there something better? Oh, there's. I mean, like cradle hoof, perhaps. Sure, but the, it's more that the things uh, make make the tokens. So Avenger comes in, makes all the the little plant tokens, and then essentially sees makes all of those come in as avengers right, hang a second. let me let me roll this back a second yeah let let me say hey what about having scoots well uh scoot there well, you go exactly scooty and then scooty patooties and then choosing your uh your cradle hoof that you've got in play and then casting mystic reflection by this time you've probably got you know enough tokens that you're going to win the game if you end up making them all into Cradle Hoofs and Triggering. True. So then they all come in as Cradle Hoof. They all pump your entire team. Uh, You've already got tokens. So tokens are making tokens of tokens. 
and you're sitting there laughing because oh, you yeah. just killed your opponents out of nowhere. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. filthy, but uh, Lenny, you probably saw a uh, chat on the Discord of CCO this morning, actually, um, and I say my my morning, at, uh, I can't remember what time it would be for you, but um, there was a good chat a little bit about uh, someone feeling bad for ending a game with Craterhoof, and I think this is something, a nice segue into uh, in the way... What I want to talk about is that the way we approach Commander, uh, or particularly Lenny, um, and and just good chats in that that regard, of course. But there was a ch- there was a talk of someone. It's that whole the bittersweet win in Commander where you win and you're like, oh, was that like, did that feel great or was that unfair or whatever? And people saying that a crater hoof win is somewhat can feel somewhat like undeserved or something, and which I don't necessarily always agree because. The counterpoint, and I think uh, Ryan mentioned this, it's like if you build a board, enough of a board that was unaffected and then a crater hoof came down, then all power to you essentially. Like you were building and defending that asset anyway or no one interacted with it. Um, it's, I think if there's enough to like do lethal to everyone, then that, that was always an issue anyway. I'm not sure your thoughts there, but like it does exist and I don't, I'm not sure how many feel bads there really are. I don't know. Uh yeah, interesting you bring that up. I was actually in that game. Um, oh, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 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 probably speaking out of context because I didn't see the whole game, but I just saw the aftermath and the chat about it. Well, yeah, it was it was kind of an interesting game. I I don't necessarily have a problem with crater hoof wins. I don't do them myself. Mm. Um, but it it was kind of yeah. I definitely feel that whole idea of like if you win in certain ways it's not like you know it's not the way you want to win because a lot of us in commander we're chasing a story right we're not yeah the win is secondary rather than you know to the experience um it it just kind of actually came up because in that game and i i didn't want to make that person feel bad or anything like i had a lot of fun playing with him but like he had kind of said that it was like a five or six and rating power level by number is so hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 And Chris Von Doom said that too. And it's just like, well, it's, it's so fickle. Uh, you can make an estimate, but like, it's so subjective, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I had basically told him after the game, I was like, Hey, you know, just so you know, like when you say something that's like power level five, uh, I don't expect things like crater hoof wins and mm. uh, he had a tooth and nail in his deck and uh, perforos yeah. that those are not things that I personally expect at level five. But I mean, yeah. I could be the person that's like not quite there. Like maybe maybe my idea of the power level of commander is kind of skewed um, and uh, what's well, kind of an interesting thing to talk about because it's always so hard to talk about that kind of stuff and really totally, get it right. Yeah. So I was just mentioning it because I wanted to let him know like what my expectations were, because I think you have to talk to people about that stuff. Cause what's not yeah. healthy is if at the end of the game, you're just kind of like seething about it. And then maybe you talk about that with some other people in the discord to be like, Hey, I had a bad experience or this person did this. And, you know, it's just kind of better to say, Hey, like that didn't quite meet my expectations of what I was going into. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was playing my Urza gumball deck and I <laughs> <laughs> definitely am not prepared for things like that with that deck, despite yeah, that commander. Yeah, exactly. 
So, but, uh, yeah. and, and that, of course, being a, uh, an, a nice one, and I think that that might be the way we go through it. Again, I, not that I'm trying to put structure to our conversations because it's not the way we roll around here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure in, in some discussions and stories that uh, some of your deck builds will just, uh, just pop up from, from, you know, as we go through things. But uh, the first one there, is, of course, is the one I've shouted out, the, the Urza's Gumball Machine, which is all... As far as I know, twenty-five cents or less uh, cards in an Urza shell. Like Urza is your commander. That's the expensive piece, and then everything else is cheap, right? Yeah, yeah. Urza costs more than the entire deck combined. Uh, it's incredible. Mine is all commons and uncommons, and none of them cost more than twenty-five cents. And the deck is okay, but the deck definitely has some serious weaknesses. Mm. No, and that's that's what I've loved about it, and I've played against it. And it's been an absolute joy because it's uh, it's it's pure creativity in that you know, you are you are putting a self restriction on it, and you have to you have to find really interesting creative ways to uh, make the thing work. I think Urz is a fantastic little uh, you know still like an amazing card, and but you know it's, it's just not broken in that sense. It's just like quite fair. Uh, but people, it's interesting what happens with, with the the reputation and the way people act with that. But we'll say, I remember seeing the, uh, was it the EDH RecCast uh, stream where you kind of, you absolutely put everyone to, uh, absolutely to test with, with that deck. And I think you had an, an incredible uh, down to the wire game. Uh, with a, was it Joey? I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. you were like down to the end. <laughs> it's like <laughs> um, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth. I joke about baseball terms because I don't know how to say them, but uh, yeah, it's like right to the end. Those kind of experiences, like you say, the win didn't matter at the end. It was we're chasing an experience, and and that was what that game was about completely. Because everyone was playing, as far as I know, like just you know reasonably powered decks, I guess. Uh, and I say reasonably, I don't know what number to put them in, but like a deck they like and probably not taking as many weird creative uh restrictions like self self-imposed like you were and and but you kind of you put it together and and actually really really held some people to test it was quite amazing so um was a good one was a good one yeah well thank you yeah it that one it it kind of speaks to a deck building philosophy that i have uh mm. about what i like to i like to leave in most of my decks, gaps in the armor. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to put it, and 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 a way that you know can actually work to feel fairly fair, and like you're not ever doing anything out of place. Yeah, if, if well, that's like the what worst, you're aiming for, you know. Yeah, the the worst commander games I think for any individual person are the ones where you don't feel like you ever had a chance. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And it, and that that's that's a good full circle kind of thing, I guess, with the Craterhoof Behemoth. That that's that can be some people's feelings, and and why some people may even take it out of their own decks for that reason. They're like, oh, I just don't feel like winning that way, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is kind of it. It does feel like, yeah, I set up this thing, nobody interacted with it, and you know, well, too bad. I think it was yeah, Legendary yeah. Creature that talked about this about that a lot of commander games aren't so much that you win. It, it's just that you do a thing and people fail to stop you. And I think crater hoof is like one of those ones that really puts people mm. into that space of existential terror where they realize that's what's actually going on in commander. 
Yeah, it's a really good way to put it, exactly. Um, Chesh, do you have any thoughts on, on Creatorhoof wins? Uh, look, I've done my fair share of Creatorhoof winning. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I guess you got to, you know. Um, because I feel the green itself can't always get the job done, and sometimes you need something to just, you know, give trample and a buff to every single creature you own so you can smash people in the face out of nowhere. <laughs> um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, like, so I I would disagree that, the, that basically, like, technically you didn't win the game, people just failed to stop you because yeah that's how you win the game mm. um, and and that's the thing like that could be said about uh a blue mill deck you know I, I i still won the game you just failed to stop me mm. from winning the game um but pretty much what it comes down to it is both those both those things are technically correct like Technically, I won the game. Yeah, Technically, and I, you failed to stop me from doing my and thing. And I'll say it, so it, it, it was said as a feeling, um, you know what I mean? Like, it was like, oh, it can feel that way, you know what I mean? I mean, sure, but uh, maybe I have less feelings then because <laughs> I just feel like I either won the game because I did something interesting Ugh. or I lost the game because I failed to stop somebody from doing something that was most likely interesting in most cases and sometimes they just played Baron over and fucking over oh. again uh, and bounced every goddamn permanent and counted every goddamn card. Uh, Lenny, you'd, Caitlin, Lenny, you'd love this deck. We, uh, we, we played this a couple of weeks ago. Mono Blue Baron was a time and it's just like bounce everything and it's like hour three, we're still there. We've still got our life totals but we're like we're just rebuilding every time. And so. oh <laughs> it did God. a thing. It worked. It did the thing. It, but, it uh, was, yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst deck I've ever. Well, second worst deck I've ever played against. Because that's yeah. not that's not commander, and and that's one of the things that I'm sure I did an article about, like building your commander deck to play the game, or to tell a story, or both, but not building a commander deck in such a way that it is oppressive to the table to the point where the table just wants you to fuck right off yeah, yeah. And, and get the fuck <laughs> off the table, you know, because no one can do anything against you. That's that's not Commander. That's yeah. not... You're, you're then branching into not even CEDH because I can tell you right now, if you tell some a CDH player that that is a CEDH deck, they'll tell you to fuck right off yeah. because... CEDH isn't even about, like, I'm going to control the entire table and make everyone shitboard. Mm. It's I'm going to control the table up to the point where I can clearly do a thing that makes me win yeah, wait for that. nice and early. And it's not like three hours later. It's usually like 30 minutes to an hour. They've won the game. That's all, I mean, you know? CEDH, and, of and that's course, the thing, like, it's tight if, play as well, you know. Like it's- if you're going to play a deck that's oppressive, you need to make sure that once you start oppressing the table that you win within those next couple of turns, not three hours later. Uh, uh, yeah, that, I, is, I, that, is not, always that, t- that is not conducive to play on the table. Yeah, I'll always take a lighter approach on that one in that it's uh, EDH can contain any number of decks, things, whatever, but, yeah, social contract, of course. It's more just like, yeah, buyer beware if, if you want to take that a deck that has that kind of objective to a table that maybe you might get less people inclined to play with you next time. That's all. And it's it's not about, like, going the opposite extreme and going group hug all the time, whatever. Uh, and we talked about group hug, and I'm sure we will soon, soon thanks to Lenny's deck. Uh, but it's, it's 
know, like knowing that what you do has has weight and has uh, kind of equity to a brand, like your self brand, and and people might not want to play against that, or they might not want to remember those games. And I think that's that's where I get to. It's like that that great point that Lenny made. It's it's winning is secondary, and we're chasing that experience, uh, and and that's you know uh, if if you're not I don't know. Being involved in that environment to to kind of chase those experiences, maybe you're not going to get the best outcomes. But again, I will be light and optimistic about these things. Chesh will probably be a little bit more critical about you know, and probably more realistic. Uh, you know, trying to keep things positive here, but <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. It's, uh, hey, that's why everyone's got a different view on it. I think that's important too, uh, and I think everyone's trying to get something different out of the game. And it's hard to sit there and go, "This is right or wrong," and and accept that this is more a combination of a huge amount of people's uh, personal views on how to play it, which is kind of what the whole podcast Counterpoint, if you play an oppressive deck at your table, you are wrong. I mean, yeah, but like, uh, they, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's, it's, I think it's a feature in the, it's a feature in the game, not a bug though. I mean, yeah, commander has existed in spite of, you know, the, the base, kind of element and, and development of magic anyway you know it's kind of developed and alongside it and and yes they support it but it's it's kind of just just been there so like initial uh early card designs were not necessarily made with commander in mind or anything so i don't know there's a lot to unpack there i know there's a lot of game theory to think about like what it means to to be in a social kind of situation with four play, players and I've, i think we talk about it every week but um yeah i don't know I don't have too much more to add there. <laughs> it's a fun one. Um, yeah, I don't know. We lost my track there a little bit, but um, that's that's that. And I think it's it's valuable to get multiple points of view on how things like that work, especially like, yeah, I mean, my point, at, like you, Lenny, I just go, oh, I haven't put Crater Hoof in the deck for a while. It just seemed, to me, it wasn't what I was looking for. And that's, I, I, I don't think I'll ever get salty when Crater Hoof wins the game. Uh, except maybe, like you say, if if it was an initial discussion of a power level that was then maybe expectations weren't on the same level. That's 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 another thing. Um, but it, it does exist. But uh, yeah, personally, I've just found mm-hmm. it's like ah, it just it does the expected thing. Whereas we we want to chase kind of something that is uh, for me. It's always that I want I want to play a card. Everyone's like what what the what the hell's going on there and and that's again goes back to uh lenny you you do have some of the the most creative decks going around in my opinion and and that i can tell from a you know a a personal fulfillment stance i guess and you you'll correct me if i'm wrong here but it's about finding creative ways to do things that surprise people i'm guessing Uh, is is one of the ethos is the way you play yeah that is pretty much it that i like to find creative ways to surprise people uh use unusual cards use cards that i think are good to show people that actually yeah they're pretty good yeah uh it it also helps because i have uh i mean i guess this is kind of a bit personal but i am a mostly single income family and so while i have some very expensive cards from playing back in the day I kind of have to make my collection stretch a little bit, mm. which is, it's not like it's that bad. Like I definitely can buy some 
serious cardboard when I want to. But, you know, I try not to. I got a mortgage, man. Yeah, exactly. I feel that completely. You just yeah. like you start to you do that thing where you're like, oh, do I need to pay fifty dollars for that card? Probably not. I can probably find something more interesting and I'll probably have more fun with it anyway. And and again it's it's these are personal views. Like it's not like you everyone has to play this way, but it's like, you know, absolutely how I get a kick out of the game as well. And and that's value because i've made this joke before value becomes more fun as you uh you know you get older as in <laughs> now i don't i don't mean about cheating some permanents off the top of the library yeah that's always fun but it's you know you saved a little bit of money this week or you weren't as wasteful in your household income or something and that actually brings excitement and you're excited about some bargains so it's like i i, I push that to my magic collection and go oh cool i can i've I made use of what i had around <laughs> and made something work about it so um no i appreciate that a lot so i mean as i said we're kind of going to go go into it but maybe the best ways to uh to to set this as a framework of discussion is to um you know chuck a deck in or two uh let's let's talk about a deck for a second maybe i mean we alluded to it before but uh the lin vala one i think is really interesting can you just tell us about how that that kind of came about oh lord that's a journey <laughs> oh we're here we've got plenty of time go nuts seriously okay well all right so the linvala one definitely it it started i guess from me seeing the preview and just being interested in it i like the card yeah. selfless spirit i like the card um what's the guy uh dauntless escort and i oh I get, yeah yeah i guess going further back i don't know if you've had if you've played against my general Tazri five color Zada deck. I haven't played that one, but uh, I have, I have heard about it on the grapevine. So I guess one of my EDH kinks as it were is, you know, basically blocking board wipes. Mm. Um, that does feel good. It, it feels real good. It's one and, of the best feelings. <laughs> and, and I think honestly, the, that level of self discovery that I got from my five color Zada deck and its ability to do that, informed my appreciation of Linvala. Mm. And then um, I also have a Tishar deck, which we kind of talked about, and that was looking at Linvala, being interested in that sort of capability, and then realizing, like, because I think any Tishar player will tell you, you, when spoiler season comes around, you are looking at, like, all of the artifacts and all of the creatures that are in white that are CMC three or less. So that kind of colors mm. how you look at the game. And so immediately yeah, can... I was like, yeah, Tishar's a cleric and um, it, you know, Linval is three CMC. So uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> exactly. And I love when, uh, when an, an existing deck uh, that, that has become one that you, you quite love then, appears to to spread some dna across a new you know maybe it's a, a new deck with with different colors in it and that's definitely something i felt it's like oh how do we put skeleton ship in a saltai deck type thing and it's you know tishar is an amazing bird and as far as i know is tishar one of your like more like competitive decks as well it is yeah Oh, that's that's spicy. I mean, we talk about mono white and, and and all that. We don't need to get into the the downfalls of mono white or or, or, or things like that. But a mono white deck, the Teshar one, is it can be incredibly potent if you really wanted to. Oh yeah, definitely. At that, uh, mm. I, I've definitely <laughs> surprised some people with what a mono white deck is capable of. That. 
Yeah, I love it. And just getting things back and, um, you know, cycling, whatever. But I, I need to see that in action a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Lynn Vala being that uh, that's a fun effect we often pay what is a five mana for, for a, uh, you know, if, if, if you wanted to do that with what was the Phyrexian guy for a while there, there's a mythic. Um, pretty much makes all your stuff indestructible. But the Hexproof as well is quite an amazing one. But um, I don't know. Do you have any off the top of your head uh, just interesting discoveries from that deck that that people might not know about as much um let me think here uh well i think just using tishara in the 99 i know a few people Mm -hmm. that do that and uh they're uh i gotta give a shout out to my friend amin who's one of uh the deck builders i truly respect and fear actually (laughs) uh so yeah and honestly actually his stamp is kind of on that deck too. Um, mm. Let me think here. I think one of my favorite synergies in the deck is um, this card, Moorland Haunt, which exiles a creature card from your graveyard and it makes a one-one flying spirit. Oh, uh, and I like that one because occasionally, what happens with my Linvala deck is that people will say, like disallow or do something to stop my ability to recur her Mm. and it's nice to have something that i can just exile her from my graveyard get some sort of bonus and then actually uh you know get her back into my command zone yeah and that's um um, that's that's i was gonna say that's on a land too which is quite amazing i remember this now because i picked up a couple of these to play in spirits but i never got around to it and it's it's super nice for sure yeah. Uh, the other one is effect. old Commander Standby uh, that I played in other decks that I used to see in more decks and I don't much more is Sunscorch Regent. So oh, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, three man or three and two white for a four, three flying. When opponent casts a spell, put a one, one counter on it and you gain one life. This one gets out of hand. It's uh, it's like, um, what's the what's the blue white bird partner? Uh I should know. It's shy. It's actually one of my commands. It's shy. It's like a shy. It's like everyone's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Whoa, it's not fine. It's got 24 counters on it. <laughs> it's yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And oh, then Sunscorch is amazing. Yeah. And you throw that in like a life gain deck and, you know, it's it's crazy what that can do in a life gain deck. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, why am I not playing this in uh, in, in Lathiel? I'm an idiot. Ah. Does, does Lathiel do get- every end step? Uh, yes. That's That's a beauty of it. Um, <laughs> Lathiel sadly does not trigger uh, itself, so can't put counters on on Lathiel, which I've made that mistake before. But um, I quickly pivoted and made sure the deck functioned without it. It absolutely functions; it's fine. But yeah, so that the whole that can soak up all those Sunscorch regents, uh, regent triggers, and you watch opponents reluctantly casting spells into it. You're like, well, this is getting bigger. Uh, this is a, this is a question that needs to be answered for sure. I'm impressed because it's definitely a card I forgot about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Commander it. kind of forgot about it. But honestly, this was my experience. Like when I, I switched it from Party to Legendary to Flyers, uh, that mm. a lot of time just having a lot of Flyers is enough. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, like I, I would talk about before, but like Ineas would might be a fun one in there if, if, if Flyers is the prerequisite. But um, yeah, Linvala was that one that... Uh, Chesh had, had said that you know it's it's probably it's probably better than it looks. I remember when we were looking at Zendikar stuff, 
and it's like no look at that how how powerful that ability is to uh sacrifice and you know stop a lot of things with a hexproof and indestructible uh, indestructible whichever one suits at that point in time um but again it's i love when people say a commander is like oh no i don't think it's very good and like oh that's great well you know you won't really take it very seriously in the command zone then until it's too late you know that's that's kind of my favorite spot to be in in a non-threatening commander and hence when it comes down to uh you know you're starting to play those commanders and those cards that haven't been seen as much because you know thread on the table is a thing for sure mm-hmm. Love it. And I was going to say Joel, uh, Joel, okay, Enthrallamund was the uh, the one who said that. It's about um, value, uh, perceivable threat on the table, I think, is a really, uh, like, a powerful thing, you know, to, to think about and manipulate if you want to and, um, you know, kind of keeping power away, which is more what blue does, I guess, from the battlefield. But, um, yeah, exactly. It's so funny that you say that, too, because my experience with this deck has been once people sort of see what's going on, they kind of freak out a little bit. (laughs) It's perfect. They're just like, well, wait a minute. Like, I can't just, like, remove this problem thing. Like, if you drop a Consecrated Sphinx, which is in the deck, uh, like, I can't just, like, Swords to Plowshares it, like, whenever I want. I'm like, no. (laughs) They're like, okay, we need to dismantle this. We cannot let this happen. So so that's essentially the the, the, the kind of... um the way play uh well the way the way it plays out essentially it's you know you're you're sticking threats and then making sure they cannot leave the table essentially so um i was gonna ask you because i was looking at an azorius deck recently and it's like what are some of the coolest blue white threats you can put down and you know uh if if unanswered can do some serious things i was i mean i had a couple on the top of my head but that what's that double strike lifelink one that draws cards Uh, oh it's a seven drop i know uh, Drog Skull Reaver. I love that card. It's just like, it's all things that feel good. And mm-hmm. it's the type of thing you, in a normal deck you play it, that's got to get removed. And that's not making a way around the table. So if you've got a commander that allows those things to live or make it very, very difficult, like I can tell this is going to be a fun time. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, that's the other thing I love about it is watching people like have to like tag team throw removal spells at stuff to do anything to me. Feels good. Oh, yeah. And that's a card advantage in itself. If you're like draining people's answers to things, it's quite amazing because uh, we've seen it all mm-hmm. before. Someone tries to answer something uh, with one of their, you know, silver bullets, as it were, and it gets somehow stifled or countered or whatever and uh, by an ability. And then something even worse comes on the table. And they're like, well, where was that then? You know, it's, it's it happens all mm-hmm. the time. So love it. Um, next one to move on to. I mean, uh, we've got others... Now, off the top of my head, some of the great uh, decks that uh, that I've seen you play. The other one I think of is um, remember Vardy Eldal. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a time. So I've been meaning <laughs> to quiz you about Vardy because I I too am a connoisseur of making things into one ones, be it the uh, the skeleton ship deck, and uh, <laughs> love a good turn to frog effect. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about Vardy Eldal. Oh yeah, so so this deck actually came about um, uh, actually. For yeah, as you mentioned, uh, Nick uh, Pla- at Plaidclad and uh, Andy Zuki have a channel called Scrap Trawlers, and um, they reached out to me and Andy Flurry to be the first people to play on that. And we, they do ran- if 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 for those of your listeners who don't know, 
They're a monthly Twitch channel. Uh, actually, they, they do stuff every week. I think every week or every other week. Yeah, they start doing Scrap Chat too as well. I yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then Andy Zupke writes cards for your articles that are great. That's right. Andy's a lovely person too. Oh, yeah. Well, Nick is too, actually. Of course. Yeah, they're course. both great people. So <laughs> On that other Andy, he's okay too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one from that, that, oh, that Guardian pod one, that's, he's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look, all the Andys are nice. Yeah, right? pretty much. Yeah. There's just a lot of great people in the Commander community. That's right. So, yeah, they, they, uh, they rolled this thing, random, they roll a random, sorry, I'm losing my words, like a random theme <laughs> that you build around. And yep. ours was the under 200 club. So we had to build uh, commanders that were under 200, uh, 200 lists on EDA track. And oh, so yeah. I built Vati Ildal because I had kind of been kicking around with that idea. And I have a King Makar, the gold curse deck. Oh, yes. And the yes. only thing I, when I played King Makar and you were cheering. You're just like, yes. It's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. The possibilities. Some people haven't seen the fear that, uh, that, that King Makar can bring. And it's like, it's, it's a time. Oh, yeah. And for a while, King Makar enjoyed a lofty place as the hero of our playgroup, saving oh, us from being nice. terrorized by somebody else's Sliver Overlord deck. <laughs> Turns it into gold. Exactly. Yeah. Love so. It. Yeah, I built Vati for that, and it was kind of a, that standard Vati turns stuff into one, but then you have Knight of Souls Betrayal, so it dies. Oh, yeah, that's good. But I kind of wanted something that was, to supplement that, that wasn't so miserable to play against, because that's the experience that I provide with my Makar deck. (laughs) And so I kind of landed on this idea of, forced combat in Golgari because there's a couple of really old cards in black Mm -hmm. that make creatures attack and so I was like yeah I'll mess with combat and then I can kind of make things power and toughness less and then um, then I kind of added an instant speed matters sort of theme because actually this is another shout out to my friend Amin because we were workshopping the deck together uh and he was suggesting, like, you know, you should run Glade Muse because it's cheap card draw. And, like, how much instant stuff can you get? And so I jammed a ton of instant ramp and other random stuff. And uh, so it's uh, that was how that deck came to be. Love it. Also, yeah, forgot about Glade Muse. Glade Muse was from Commander 20. And uh, I yeah. think you could probably pick up Glade Muse for another, like, 50 cents right now. It's it's It's... No, I don't think people have picked up on how it's actually pretty good. Uh, two and a green for a creature beast. Whenever a player casts a spell, uh, if it's not their turn, that player draws a card 2-4. So if you start to really ramp up, like you say, you really make that sub-theme sing, mm-hmm. you're you're going to be... The whole point is making it so you're drawing a disproportionate amount of cards to everyone else, and that's going to be a time. Oh, that's really good. Oh Damn, yeah! Why didn't I get one of? Why didn't I get one of these? I need to pick one up before people feel, realize it's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, my my whole plan with that was there's a card called Imp's Taunt, which is a uh, one in a black buyback three target creature attacks this turn if able, instant. So I'm like, yeah, I can make stuff attack and then Glade Muse draw some cards. Oh, that's really good. It's got Khan on the art in, in an amazing way too. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, and you, and it feels like that. Uh, like uh, I know the card 
use the name, but it's it didn't really do it in effect. But odds maker, you're kind of sitting there, like like you're controlling what's going on in in the combat, which actually uh, makes that a really interesting game for sure. And yeah, I've seen it do things for sure. It's I think I was on Lexicon at the time. Mm-hmm. Dig it. So uh, love that deck, man. That's that's great. But uh, I mean, what I want to get into more broadly, anyway, is is uh, what. What kind of uh, happened when in, in the last year or so? I'm, I'm keen to see a lot of people's perspectives, but um, uh, how how Camp- Commander kind of developed as a thing where we made the play group, uh, our play groups, the world kind of thing when uh, pushed into hardship and and you know as far as not being able to get out of our houses, whatever. Uh, the Commander community just kind of made it happen. So um, yeah, do you want to just touch on? Uh, how your commander experience changed last year as far as, or as it continues to now, I guess, anyway. Uh, yeah, definitely. So uh, this actually goes back to pre-2021. Um, mm. And I'm going to give out another shout out to another community member, Ursa Bearwalker. Oh, yes, we do love our, 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 our lovely resident bear, for sure. So he has his own Discord, and he's got, like, a little playgroup that they had been doing webcam commander games uh, well before the pandemic. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and I had played with them a couple of times. And, you know, I, I had been active on Twitter, like, you know, I followed people, I talked with, you know, the people in CCO, uh, mm. and also in their CCO Discord, kind of, like, and legendary creature, uh, commander central slack, all these different people that I've been kind of talking with. And so like once the pandemic happened, like, you know, people started like kind of making like these inroads before we had spell table, they were doing zoom and Jitsi and mm. whereby and kind of like, let's get together and let's try commander over webcam. And I was already a bit comfortable with it. Thanks to actually having done it with, yeah. uh, Ursa Bearwalker's group. So it, you know, it was like good and it was comfortable and it was kind of cool because as much as I love playing at my shops and I, you should definitely support your LGS and you should make oh, yeah. time to play there once it's safe. But but there's kind of a thing to p- talking with people over Discord and uh, talking to people over Twitter, responding to people where you can kind of learn a bit about who they are and what their expectations of the game are. Mm, so you can exactly. make moves to make a game with them. Cause you can mm. be like, yeah, like this person kind of gets what I'm about. And so I want to shuffle cards with them. Yeah, totally. And totally. I think, uh, it, you know, in some other places where it's more or less random, like you, you don't get that same like level of camaraderie and experience. Mm. Yeah, it's a great way to put it. And I, I, I think, uh, definitely my experience is like, well, you, you know, you, you play the same set of people at the LGS, whatever. And there's, you know, that's, that's kind of what you have access to. Also like the fact that sometimes there's just not enough people to play at the LGS, that kind of thing. Or like, it's hard to get your buddies around to, to play, uh, you know, no one's, not everyone's free that night, that kind of thing. And that was, that was such a huge thing to go, well, why aren't we opening this up to the world? First of all, like, you know, and, and it's the whole thing we said before with your, uh, you know, the Urza's uh, gumball machine deck that necessity breeds creativity. And, and that when, when we're kind of forced into a position where it's like, well, we just got to, that's all you have to do. Uh, a lot of people broke that stigma, which was, 
oh, no, it doesn't feel like normal Commander. It's like, no, it absolutely does. And all of a sudden you're playing with uh, yeah, a, a whole bunch of people that, that, again, have different relationships with the game in an interesting way. And you kind of, you know, you start to learn a bit more about that and, and what it all means and how they've developed that. And But, yeah, ultimately then going, well, I'm now choosing to kind of uh, stick around the type of people that, get the same kind of fun i do uh realistically and and also i think that the delight was finding that that the people that the view commander in the same lens of fun as i do was a lot bigger than i thought it was as far as doing doing weird creative things and 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 just not it's it's not necessarily for me the like i don't get playing optimally out of that 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 uh you know format because it's that I can make a lot more mistakes and it's fine. <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to yeah. be uh, absolutely cutthroat about it kind of thing. And, you know, and I'll laugh about that when I do make, make a mistake. I'm not going to be too hard about it or anything. So, um, no, that was, that was absolutely it. And then of course, yeah, we, as, as, uh, you've been a part of these communities for quite some time, but I was, I was really happy to see it's like, wow, these are also communities that then, uh, and people that you continue to talk to, uh, about, anything and it doesn't have to be just about magic it's 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 about life it's about you know support and and that was such a a surprise uh byproduct of what happened to me last year and and you know i think it's pretty amazing some of you guys were already there going oh this is what we've been doing for some time anything anyway out of necessity and i heard coach davy say that too actually that um i oh, know was it coach davy I think no, I think it was a few. A few people had been had figured out webcam commander before spell table before anything, and it's it's a whole. It may not be perfect, but we can play commander at, at our leisure at at times that suit uh, you know from our own houses. And and now, I think that changes the game in a really interesting way that we don't quite know how that's going to move forward as far as. Ultimately, we all want to be in person, of course, but you know, there's I wouldn't be having this conversation with you had it been you know, being pushed in that position more or less. Yeah. So um, very thankful. And um, yeah, it's, it, it, it has made, it's lit a fire as well as far as the excitement of the game because there's an infinite amount of uh, stuff to build, of course. And that's always been there, but it's more the people you're kind of talking to about like what to build and, you know, why something's exciting and then boiling it down to what that exciting part of the game actually is and what we, we, we want to get out of it. And, I feel like quoting that uh, that that point you made at the start. You you absolutely you started with your best piece of uh, of wisdom there, Lenny, which was um, you know it's uh, I can't remember what exactly what it was anymore, but I remember the sentiment, which was we're playing for the experience. The win is secondary. Um, I think that's that's such an excellent one to always remember, and you know, put a sticky note on my screen and just remember that kind of thing. So yeah, I love it for sure. Ah, good. Um, well, I mean, I talked about a little bit about, uh, you know, what 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 magic's meant, some some decks, that kind of thing. But um, you know, also that it's not all magic. You know, there's there's stuff around that, and that's what's become interesting. And and that's kind of what I alluded to before when I said, hey, we've got some board game stuff to talk about. Um, and you know, we'll we'll get into some profile questions. But uh, Lenny, you were telling me about the coolest. Uh, wedding ever, which I I had immediate wedding envy about. Um, oh. you know, tell us a story because I mean this is a bit of a bit of a, a tangent, but this is I know this is what people uh you know have have come to expect here anyway. But I just think it's worth telling. Tell us a little bit about your uh your your wedding and um you know what that entailed because I I highly recommend 
this this kind of uh or the board game aspect of it for sure oh yeah um okay so well going straight to the board game aspect uh yeah yeah i just want to get there because there's, there's a lot to unpack and i want to get cheshed a bit more involved because you know i know yeah. i can leave him out of the loop sometimes and he's still here for sure yeah well we like chesh <laughs> we love chesh yeah for a second there, I just wasn't going to say anything, just to see <laughs> if anyone would come back with, like, the where is Chesh. I usually do that like, and I cut Chesh, it out. Chesh, you there, <laughs> Chesh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Okay, so, yeah, my wedding. All right, um, getting straight to the point, and then we'll see if I go on to a full tangent about that, because you're going to talk please, about please one of the best it. days of my life. Yeah, and exactly, and, and that's, that's, that's the energy I want to kind of uh, cultivate. So my husband and I are big board game enthusiasts. Um, like I'm, I'm sitting behind basically a wall of bookshelves, just like with games, pretty much spilling out onto the floor at this point. Ooh, yeah. And um, so for our centerpieces, all we did was buy like little votive candles, like in just like these nice little glass uh, containers, and then we we. Uh, we took board games from our collection and then also we used some of our wedding savings to buy a few board games to supplement that. Yes. Supplement, supplement. That's the word. Not, <laughs> not to add to our game collection afterwards. No, that would be wrong. Uh, and so we made little, uh, we made the centerpieces our uh, board games. So each table had just like different stuff and we kind of, we kept it simple you know, but it's like, so if people didn't want to dance or socialize, you're at a table, you can break out a board game. And like, you know, a lot of our friends that were there are also board game players. So they kind of knew a lot of the rules, but it was kind of cool to see the people that don't usually play them. They're like, yeah, okay. I don't feel like dancing. And so we're going to just play some board games. Um, I, I guess I should also mention that this wedding was taking place on New Year's Eve. Mm, exactly and then we started late and we didn't really have a traditional dinner we told everybody if you want to have a full dinner just like eat beforehand we will provide <laughs> go to Macca's, you yeah, the smart move. yeah we will provide like yeah hors d'oeuvres and snacks and uh entirely too much booze yep and <laughs> so 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 yeah you prepare know, you accordingly exactly yeah uh that was one of the things that I regret about my wedding is I wish I had eaten more. Mm. Like it's <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to though, and I'll I'll, I'll you know talk with uh, you know the the one experience of that. But it's the the it's it's a nervousness, but it's I mean everyone's different, of course. But it's like a it's a surreal kind of thing going on that like it's it kind of takes over your appetite a little bit. You're like, ugh, what's actually yeah. going on? And and yeah, you're like, wow. And you kind of it's just like all in a state of shock. And yeah, I remember the same thing. I'm like, I don't even remember eating. I was like, oh no. Yeah. You know? I, I I liken it to like for that night. I was like, this is going to get into weird cosmic stuff. But it was like I was in another dimension. Mm. Like observing the re the like dimension that we all live in. <laughs> 
and I'm like, no, I feel that completely. Yeah. It's like I say, I said surreal, and I'm I'm glad you, yeah, yeah you've, it's you, well, you almost validated what, it, yeah, exactly. It's, well, because you're like, like, this is strange, like, yeah, you're you're like masterminding everything, and you've been planning this thing for months, and it's like, <laughs> okay, I got to get all my loved ones, I got to make sure everybody's happy, I got to make sure the food's yeah. there, and like you're, you, all this stuff that you make sure comes together, and then you're kind of still in that space of masterminding it all. And mm. so you're like socializing, but in a way it's like you're kind of not really there. Yeah. You're kind of watching over everything as well. And yeah. yeah. And it, maybe at some point that was the booze, like directing my <laughs> thoughts. I, I know <laughs> recently somebody, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, recently somebody <laughs> sent back to me the video of me doing karaoke to Pat Benatar's Love is a Battlefield without oh, the lyrics yes. from memory. F- fantastic. <laughs> Which I can I do. That. that is excellent. Karaoke at your um your wedding too. It's uh yeah. Oh, that's that's that, excellent. I love it. They they surprised me with that. I wasn't expecting it, and they didn't have like a thing for the lyrics, so I had to do it from memory. But uh, oh. yeah, that was that was yeah. a prank my, my best man played on me with my DJ. Well done. <laughs> yeah, and then the the one up is the fact that you completed it and uh, yeah nailed all the lyrics. Like, well, there yeah. you go. I, I, you didn't fail. <laughs> it, it, it's my go to karaoke song. Yeah. In in case and that's I, a profile like, question later. Uh, oh, we've got songs and stuff, of course, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's a great little insight anyway. And I, I find anyway, karaoke is all about energy anyway. That like it's not about failing lyrics, and which is is most people who haven't done it their first concern. And it's like no, it's 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 more if you are not feeling it, and you're made to be in an awkward uh, situation. But if you kind of attack that thing with like I don't even care what's going on, which is why booze helps, of course. But yeah, um, yeah it's it's people can be cheering at the end of it. You know, like it doesn't matter if you nailed the lyrics, or whatever. It's it's, yeah. it's an energy thing for sure. It, it's which is about why I went doing from it, like not- hating karaoke, the idea of it, to loving it. Once you you do it, you're like, oh wow. It- <laughs> It's it's pretty wonderful. I mean, like, uh, having done a few performances in my life, performance is kind of cathartic. Mm, mm, true, true. Yeah, it's it's very much like overcoming the fear, and then just like at the end of it, you're like, actually, yeah, I did okay. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, and no, I love that to bits, but um, yeah, the, the, the board game uh, centerpieces, uh, I, I want to hear about... Uh, what what were some of the ones you chose for the the centerpieces? Just as some talking points, kind of thing. Like okay. it's 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 also interesting. Like the choices there would have been interesting because you would have, and I I know how much fun this is. It's it's to be honest, it's depending on what kind of uh, company you keep, and and I know some people have a lot of wedding uh, planning to do where it's like, oh, I don't even necessarily want all these people, but it's my family influencing who's there, uh, and and you know kind of setting tables for that who can who's compatible with who and it can get really like in incredibly overwhelming but then like almost choosing a board game for them too like i I was like "Hmm, that's actually a really really interesting thought experiment so how did that go and was there any of those kind of do i choose this board game for these people or like mostly keep it a pretty small casual uh you know quick board game here's the magic of it when you Mm. do the hors d'oeuvres thing you don't have to seat anybody for dinner so people can cool. just sit wherever they want, and oh, yeah. you don't have to worry about the seating chart. And that is what we did, and we placed games wherever we wanted. Oh, that's and excellent! And we let yeah. people take games from other places. Yeah, nice, uh, nice. So one of the games, I think, the game that for me is the most emblematic of my wedding is the game Skull, 
or uh, okay. I don't know. Are you familiar with that one, Chesh? Uh, that's with the um, the 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 drink coaster. Yes, yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very good game. I played this with my neighbors once. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, we actually bought that one for the wedding, and um, actually, the game store you bought it from, we lost it in the process of the wedding, and the local <laughs> game store we had put them on our wedding registry and. I told them that story, and they just gave me the copy that they had. They're like, "Oh, you lost it? Well, here." No, oh, well, no, amazing. Yeah, have another one. Congratulations! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. But Skull is an excellent game. I uh, highly recommend that one. Great, easy to learn bluffing game. Great for playing at a wedding, honestly, because mm. like anyone can play it. And not generally on people's lists either. Uh, plus, it, it has a very. Um, uh, De Los Mutos, uh Day of the Dead theme to it, yeah. surprisingly. With, without it even being themed, technically speaking, it's just because, you know, the, the little coasters have cute skulls on them. They yeah. look great. And they look, yeah, they look gorgeous, exactly. Like, it's, yeah, I just oh, yeah. saw Kotaku had an article, Skull is the perfect pub, pub game. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Uh, we had a few versions of Uno and, uh, oh, Lord. I'm just like looking at my wall right now to see like what we had brought. I think we had Sushi Go. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, uh, designed by Sydney designer. Mm-hmm. Let's let's not forget um, uh, Phil Walker Harding, uh, one of my friends from Sydney. Oh, nice! Oh, wow! Wow! Yeah, there you go. Again, I am a game designer, <laughs> so you know <laughs> I get to hang out with all those. I, I actually. Um, Sam's heard me complain about this before, but um, Machines of Madness was actually signed to his brother's company um, that they then sat on for four years and the contract ran out. And by the time I got it back, the game had changed so much and they didn't have the raw original files that I've never been able to recreate the game to what it originally was. No, no. Pet peeve. (laughs) Oh, man. Dang. Uh, I think that's all I can really remember that we brought. Um, I'd have to dig up some of my photos, but our photographer didn't take any pictures of the centerpieces. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the pe- the guests yep. did. I just have to find those photos, and we're not going to get into that. We don't have that kind of time. <laughs> <laughs> I I always enjoy though that that um, but you get to witness also a little bit of onboarding for uh, what is you know getting people into board games, which I always find fascinating because board games totally have that that stigma it's like oh monopoly yeah that's that's that and you know uh who knows great actually as well like as a card game but it's like people a lot of people don't quite see the full gamut of what uh games can be without you know they don't have to be full on that doesn't have to be twilight imperium that's like they're not getting into that but it's like the the elegance of a game in a simplicity uh is is almost like the ultimate in in how how good a game can be that it can be you know uh, incredibly hard to master, but easy to pick up that kind of thing. And, and what, you know, constitutes a really interesting game. So like Sushi Go is a great one that it's, i.e. is it the, is that the draft one? Yeah. That I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. So it's drafting. Yeah. I played that with draft, Kate. It's a draft set collection. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I was playing with Kate and I was like, oh, well, she's like, ah, oh, I don't, I don't get like magic's not gelling with me. I'm not really that interested. And then we we're playing Sushi Go. And I was like, you're learning to draft, you know, it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. slow down. Now uh, you got, even you, like, you got to teach her dominion next. 
Oh, totally, totally. That's an amazing game that it's like that's um, totally in that, that, that vein as well. We started playing um, Machi Koro and that oh, was really interesting. Very good oh, game as well. Oh, it's excellent. And and someone put it, uh, the best way to put it is like the it's that putting all your money on, you know, a die roll of four, which can like feel like extreme gambling, but when it pays off, my God. And it's, 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 it's a joy. And uh, she really got into that as well. Uh, or started to, but she's like, you're, I'm intimidating by how uh, intimidated by how, how, you know, extremely you look at things in value exchanges and go, Oh, well I can see investing in forests, which I'm glad is in the game as actually quite a, po- a positive way to go, uh, can really pay off kind of thing. And it's like an effective strategy. And she's like, you're just looking for the value. And it's like, far out. I just want to build a bakery. And it's like, yeah, okay, sorry. I w- I'm not trying to mid-max it or anything or try to sound better, but, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, it's funny yeah. when it comes to board games, uh, like usually I have a lot of competitive ones, but like because I play Commander so much, usually when I sit down to play a board game, I always want to play a cooperative game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, which was where I kind of wanted to like subtly link to Commander, but it's uh, that that totally is a, a you know a, a characteristic that Commander can get into, which is like it can feel like you're making alliances and then breaking them, that kind of thing. Which is right. the first time when board games became like, oh, this is what they can be, like Game of Thrones board game. You're like, wow, this is incredible. But um, yeah, like co-op games. What uh, what 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 ones do you go towards? Uh well, uh my uh my current cooperative board game obsession is Magic Maze. Ooh. Um uh, I don't I'll know. Get some I, good tabs open now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um <laughs> I don't know, Sam, are you familiar with this one? I am um I am from seeing the box art in my LGS, but I have not Ooh, interesting. So so I the guess. idea behind this game is uh you're like a D&D adventuring party and you're trying that, to... That's what I was feeling for sure. Yeah, you're trying to basically go to shops in the mall, which is also a dungeon, which <laughs> is weird typing, but also kind of like, where's the lie? Yeah, yes. Oh my God. And it's like, yeah, yeah this is actually strangely, uh, oh, you know, poignant. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> and you're trying mm. to get to your, your shops, steal your gear, and then leave the mall. But the thing is, is unlike other games, you're not playing any of the characters. You're playing like a direction. So Mm. like one player can only move north. One can move south, east, west. Somebody can use escalators. Someone can use the teleporters. And someone can like flip the new tiles for the mall. You know, because it's a randomly generated maze. Yeah, it's it's a roguelike. The thing that I'm enjoying, and it's kind of been my jam in uh, cooperative gaming. Yeah. It is that, like, you can't communicate with any of the other players. You can't speak. You can't gesture. All you can do is either <laughs> stare pointedly at somebody, or there's, a, like, a red meeple pawn, which is the do-something pawn, which you can put in front of somebody to indicate that you want them to do something. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and I, I just love that game because it's, like, it's short it's fast, it's real time, nobody takes turns, everybody's just, like, moving at the same time, and it's just, like, total, completely silent chaos <laughs> until so, you hit one of the spaces where you flip the timer and you can talk, and then all of a sudden everybody's like, no, I need you to move here! Like, this is what we need to do, and it's like, everybody will just, like, okay, 
this is what we need to have happen. This is the plan. And then, like, when you flip the hourglass back, it's back to silence. And then it's, like, three moves in, and everybody forgets what the plan is. (laughs) Oh, I have to get this game. This sounds amazing. I really love when communication is used as a tool, Mm. uh, you know, to switch on or off or whatever. That's really quite amazing and elegant. And it made me think of, um, oh, what was the game? I think it started off, I don't know if they made it. I think they did make it a physical game. I don't know if it was first or anything, but... um, was it Space Team? Yes. I'm pretty sure it st- started off as an app. Yeah, yeah. And that is using co- communication on another level, which is just <laughs> like someone's got the control, someone can see the orders, but they're all like all this weird stuff's happening. It's, it's been a long time since I've used it or whatever, but it's uh, that's essentially how I remember it and how funny it gets. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can get it as a physical thing. Yeah, you can now. Sweet. You do, Sweet. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm looking at it right now on my wall of games. Oh, you do have it. Yeah. It's and that was that was one that uh again it's like the infinite kind of depth of what you can do in physical games and and you know I've kind of gone back to it a, a, a few times of like yeah video games and video games great but um you know later in my life I'm so drawn to games that exist in physical forms and the infinite amount of things that they can do differently. Uh, especially with, like you say, local interaction, and and that's that's quite amazing. So, um, yeah, well, I, I'm going to get Magic Maze. I have to get that. And um, would you recommend it? You probably need about three players, three or four players. Yeah, three to four players. I think yeah, four players it. is probably the sweet spot. But that's kind of the sweet. sweet spot for like like I think eighty percent of board games. True, and especially yeah, co-op as well. I guess when you're going, well, it's 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 the commander thing too. Like one v one is one thing, even three is workable. But once you you multiply the possibilities when there's four players, it's that's incredible. Um, yeah, it's like so. Like my my favorite games are deck building games, like yeah. the legendary series, like uh, legendary Buffy and stuff like that. Uh, always great, mm. always great. Um, but uh, some of the space-themed games that are usually two-player that are deck builders are pretty good as well. Oh, nice. Are we yeah, talking, like, are, Star Realms? Yeah, oh, Star Realms is of. so good. So good. I was getting into some of the YouTube content of, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but um, one of the, the big kind of YouTube reviewers of um, the things, but they said, yeah, Star Realms was so recommended um, and how incredible that game mm. is. Ooh, even the ooh! Look at the colors on there. They're like little mana symbols. Again, my uh, my magic tick. Um, <laughs> great. So yeah, I don't know. I felt like I heard this somewhere else as well. But yeah, what's the general gist of Star Realms, Josh? Oh God! Uh, basically, you are in control of a, a section of space, pretty much, and you are just a warring faction. Yep. So it's you versus another player where you're trying to kind of get to the most points before they do. Um, but it's it's a bit of a different deck builder because it's not just a deck builder. It's also got engine building in yeah. it. So you can create your own kind of like particular combos that help you increase points and, and buff your stuff as easily as possible so that you're getting like the most value and effect out of your cards. Mm. I think that that's probably about as good as I no, can no, say. No, no, that's excellent. It's, it's yeah, just I, yeah. really good. People should take that shit out. No, no, definitely not. Um, and touching on engine building too, that it's it's one of those things that um, I think bottom line to, to round all the board game chat out though, like it's, I know personally I didn't, I uh, know I did actually start with um, some 
you know, board games before getting into Magic. But I know there's uh, if there are Magic players out there that haven't kind of delved into the the, the world of board games uh, for like, oh, you know, I only want to play Magic, whatever. I can't recommend enough uh, what you can get out of just exploring different games, that kind of thing, uh, for seeing that, that there are connective tissues and there, there's there's themes and, and feelings of what you get in Magic that do exist in other games. Of course, it's been... That's where it does become a bit difficult. We have learned how to play Webcam Commander in a, in a year where we can't really get together. And, uh, in, in, you know, talking, of course, of times when we can more, you know, safely actually have, you know, gatherings together or whatever. That's where to look at the, some of these. It's like, oh, you know, between a, a couple of games of Magic, it's, you know, play some other games for sure. And you'll see the engine building one's a great one, Chesh, that about there's there's games that distinctly feature that as like that's pretty much the way the whole game feels. And you think of mm-hmm. if that's if someone loves playing a combo deck or something or like, you know, the, the type of deck that does that in Commander, these kind of games can really, really go, oh, wow, this is actually, this has this sensation as well. So you're saying the other day, like Wingspan has that completely, um, which is quite interesting. I haven't got my hands on that yet, but um, being meaning to for sure. So good. Yeah, nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm actually, that, that was more board game chat than I um, I was hoping for, which is great. So uh, yeah, it's a good one. And it's, I think we haven't really spoke about board games that much, but I think they're an important like ancillary piece of, influence as i'd like to say toward like it's so related to magic because there's so many things that cross over but it's like it also can sometimes teach you to play in different ways which are really cool but um yeah uh what we'll get into now of course is uh yeah everyone is interesting as we like to say uh lenny of course infinitely as well uh but we're gonna we're gonna run you through our gauntlet of uh of profile questions because i'm really keen to see what else is in uh you know the great mind of um our friend lenny so uh starting off i better get my notes up here because i don't have them here uh where was it Lenny. I'll crack my knuckles this, while you do that. Yeah, get ready, get ready. <laughs> yeah. we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna quick fire these, or well, not really, because they. I, I'm happy for these to go on whatever tangents they have to. So feel free. Uh, but the first one to, to, to get us started, Lenny, where's your stance on pineapple and pizza? Okay, so uh, for the longest time, I was anti pineapple and pizza, mm. and then I went to a donut place. Sorry, you're getting a story. Uh, oh, no, I, want, I want stories. I want stories. I demand them. <laughs> this is good. Called Donut Madness, which was a horror movie themed donut place. Sounds and amazing. They did pineapple jalapeno fritters. Oh. And then, so one day I decided to try that on a pizza because I've had jalapeno pepperoni pizza. And I was like, well, what happens if I put yep. jalapeno pineapple pepperoni? And that is now my default pizza. <laughs> that but sounds incredible. Canadian bacon, yeah, Canadian bacon yep. and pineapple. I I don't do that. We don't we don't mess around with that. But uh, yeah, jalapeno, <laughs> pineapple, pepperoni. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Oh, donut man, this looks amazing. It says sadly now permanently closed. Um, yeah, yeah. Likely the year it was, everything. Um, the 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 centerpiece of the counter is a coffin. I I'm in love with this place. This is incredible. Like this is this is pure creativity. I love it. Yeah, very, they had very a cool. donut called the Rosemary's Baby that had like Oreo cream filling. <laughs> <laughs> and and my my personal favorite, even though it wasn't my favorite flavor wise, was the shard, which they. 
did a jelly donut and they had little X eyes on it and they took a piece of sugar <laughs> glass and they just jam it in there. I'm sure if you use Google image searches, you'll find it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to actually like, I, I, I'm going to get into a bit of trouble, like, vi- uh, you know, like actually cutting my mouth or something trying to eat this thing. Oh, I see it. Yes. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because we used to have, so with Dunkin' Donuts, uh, or I guess even before then, they used to. There was a donut place here in Australia that used to do what they would call the undead coffin donut, Ooh. and it's a black glazed donut, right? So it's got black sugar glaze on it, with a plastic coffin on top that's filled with um, whiz fizz, <laughs> and a Fredo frog in the top of that coffin, slightly melted to form a lid. Yeah. Fantastic treat. So, and what they would recommend you do is you would take the plastic coffin, you would pick off the the quote unquote lid, which was the Fredo frog, and then you would sprinkle the whizfizz over the donut because the black glaze never properly dries, so it's always sticky. Yeah. Such a good donut. That's mad. But as you can imagine, at one point they had to stop selling said donut. Because some dickhead bit down into the fucking coffin oh, like a moron yep, yep. and cracked their teeth. Because humans can't be trusted with anything. Hell no. And I was going to say, or well, that, or uh, just, you know, somehow snort the whiz or something, or like, you know, or just try and eat it all at once. Or, yeah. Oh, everyone snorted the whiz at some point. Oh, yeah, that's life. what you do when you're in, uh, in in grade six at school and you think you're, you're edgy and badass. It's, you're like, you're snorting whiz this thing, it's funny, snort. Like, yeah, it's not really. <laughs> never thought we'd get there that's great uh next one is uh all right a little bit back to magic lenny what's your uh i'm really interested in this one actually what's your pet card uh in magic that you love it doesn't have to be the best but that goes the territory of it being a pet card i guess oh man um my usual go-to pet card is soldevi adnate it's a one in a black one two human cleric and it has tap sacrifice a black or artifact creature and add man- black mana equal to that creature's converted mana cost to your mana pool wow hey that's a good card <laughs> Wait, yeah it's like, it is the amount, of, the amount of these great cards it's like why is no one playing these this is actually excellent and it's a cleric far out and mm-hmm. the art far- mm, mm, that face <laughs> which art man there's two Oh no, you're right because that was uh, was that fault? No, alliances where they they mm. did the multiple arts exactly. Oh, they're both great. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. You got the female one and then zombie guy. It's just like what happened to my other eye? <laughs> yeah, I have a um, I have a an altered version of the female ver- version. Uh, border extended, done by Ryan from CCO Podcast. Oh yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, and, uh, uh, ha- have. I was going to say, have to get on the uh, the Facebook to uh, Commander Cookout podcast um, auctions for uh, for altered cards, which I've just joined in the last week. And I was like, why haven't I been doing this? And uh, yeah, I'm going to be spending some money on there. I'll tell you now. But uh, I, Ryan has the does some amazing I, stuff. I might be in trouble. Actually, my husband was supposed to like knew he was telling me I needed to bid on the Kodama of the East Tree, and I think I yeah, because I started to. <laughs> Yeah, I think that one might be gone because I I put in a bid at like twenty five dollars and I forgot about it as well. And uh, okay, because yeah, I think I think that one's gone. I won a Titanic Ultimatum, which is not a great like 
it's not like overly played card. It just looks really cool. And it's that Naya one. And, you know, talk about winning games. That's uh, you, you have a board full of tokens, like, uh, and, and you think a uh, Crater Hoof's going to do the job. Well, this probably do the job too, kind of thing. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, speaking of side, side, side tangent, this is what we do. Uh, you won the into the into the North, didn't you? I did not. I just retweeted about oh, it. Didn't? I didn't even bid oh. on it. Oh, no. That looked amazing, by the way. That was, oh, that was yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. And I love it. But, um, yeah, so so I need to get my hands on one of these Soul Devi Adnates. Uh, I have a Cleric deck in the works, and why did I never consider this card? It's amazing. It does everything you want to do. Yeah. Sacking, uh, see know. also Priest of Yogmoth. Yeah, totally. And I was going to say, too, Ritual of the Machine for those kind of effects. Like, I just oh, see yeah. in, the, in, in the same uh, alliances, which is just like, oh, yeah, why did I forget about this card as well? Four mana for a sorcery, sacrifice a creature to gain uh, control of target non-black, non-artifact creature in black. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Talking a little bit about my deck building process, one of the things that is a ritual for one of my decks is that I'll go through Mirage Block and I'll go through like alliances. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to, oh yeah, usually like Tempest and Stronghold and I'll go through those sets and just look to see if there's like anything in those colors that I might have missed. Cause like things are so weirdly worded back then that you actually have to like manually go through and just see like, am I missing something that could be amazing? Oh yeah. And I kind of love that too. Cause if it's, if it's harder to come by, less people are going to do it. And it's like, yeah, it's, it feels like you, you absolutely, you know, strike gold. Yeah. I mean, and- I, I, yeah. I bought a thought lash uh, a little while ago. I found one, for like a, a dollar and i was like well this is actually a really good card if you want to do that thing i never really played that deck which is the pretty much delete your library and do the tharsis oracle or whatever else but um yeah it does that it does a pretty good job of removing your library for four mana mm-hmm. mm. what a what a time for magic far around it's just yeah there's there's so much so much weirdness like there's plenty of bad cards of course everyone knows that but it's you know the the gems are so rewarding to find those for sure so I uh, appreciate that answer so much, and I'm going to promptly go over and buy one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good if go. anyone's wondering what deck that Soldevi Adnate that's altered shows up in, I have a Grenzo Dungeon Warden deck. Oh, oh yeah, nice, nice. That Now, that, that's a cool one. That's the, um, uh, yeah, that has to be the Rakdos one, of course, because it's yeah. black, but um, I call it the like, library matters, yeah. Yeah, I call it the Power Bottom deck. Yeah, that's perfect. Rocking some Rito lanterns, you know that kind of stuff. It's oh, yeah. yeah. There's like there's just this amazing little subset of cards in the in the history of Magic that care about the bottom of the library that everyone's forgotten about. And I I love. I mean, that's the type of thing that keeps me going back. That like, there's cards you're like, oh, this is so weird, but it could still one day be relevant. Yeah. And that's the, you know, they could be absolutely worthless for years, and then like something's printed that goes, oh, this cares about this in a strange way, and. Grenzo was one of those cards. You're like, wow, this this inverts the way I'm playing the game. It just it it, it it's responding or like interacting with a part of the game I never usually would. Story true. time about that deck, actually. Please do uh, go for it. So, uh, well, there's a lot of stories I have with that one, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I so I could tell the one about. Well, yeah, I'll just tell the one about my husband. So that is one of my husband's least favorite decks that I have. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's that and Golos Enchantress that he absolutely despises. That's a pretty good deck. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so, but the thing is, despite that being his least favorite deck uh, at Magic Fest Vegas 2019, he got me the signed foil artist proof of Ooh. Renzo Dungeon Warden. Ooh. That's some love. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, I don't enjoy it, but you can have, you know, the best version of this. Uh, so, Lu- uh, Lucas uh, Graciano, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, he was there at uh, at uh, the Magic Fest, and uh, he totally, I didn't ask for it. I already had a foil, never thought about it, and he's like, here, I got this for you. And I'm like... Oh, that's the best. Oh, man. Magic Fest 2019, oh, man. Some tangents. I was going to say, all well, quickly, though, uh, Lucas also did Lathiel, my my favorite, uh, you know, just fling of the month. Absolutely love this deck and, and love Lathiel <laughs> and love this mad- magnificent horse. So, uh, yeah. Nice, it's a nice. sweet deck. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, great art. And, yeah, nice. Nice, Lucas. Anyway. Yeah. But, yes, continue continue some Vegas story time because uh, we've joked about it oh, before, yeah. but we... We haven't got to uh, to do the Vegas thing, and and I'm hoping it's in our near future. You know, world it, being getting back to normal, all that that considering. But um, yeah, no, for sure, regale us with tales. Well, I mean, I highly recommend, of course, but uh, I was gonna say the because um, we were talking earlier about my name in the CCO Discord, how it's <laughs> actually Fu Lemmy. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I've told the story in a couple places, and I know they told the story. So it was, um, like I was getting an Airbnb with the guys from Ryan and Brand with Brian and Brando and some of their friends, uh, the guys from CCO. Yep, f those guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, f them. <laughs> They're medium. Seven out of ten. They're medium. Seven out of ten. Maybe six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what power creep has happened. So yeah, there's sixes now. <laughs> Six and a half, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they had flown in, and uh, they had me order the Airbnb and all that stuff. I because uh, I guess I live in the states, and so I I called the lady and you know gave them the information. I said, hey, like yeah, these guys are they're part of my group, and I need you to give them the keys and everything, and so. You know, the the person who was managing it was like, yeah, that's fine. Okay. So I missed this call because we're driving through uh, the Nevada desert. Well, the California desert, mostly. Like, it's the way you go. It's not too far to hit Las Vegas. Hmm. Uh, and so we're driving on our way there. And uh, Stephen, my husband, gets a message on Facebook from Ryan. And Ryan's like, hey, can you have Lenny call me? And so I I call Ryan and he's like, so like, what's going on? Because like, we got the room, we got everything. And there are these girls. And uh, they say that this is their room. And I'm like, okay, let me let me call the person. I'll figure out what's going on. And she's like, okay. So the person managing is like, yeah, like, I don't know what's going on. I gave him the keys. And and so, but like, I guess they're in the wrong room. They, I, it turns out as I had called them later, cause like I had spotty reception, so I wasn't able to like actually get all the information that, uh, we had to send them to the right place because they were given the keys to the person. Well, let me just say that I had said, 
I have a party of eight under Lenny <laughs> and these girls that were getting this room that their room was bought by a Lemmy party oh, of eight. What? what are the odds? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was a mixture of Americans and Canadians as well. Yeah. It. It's crazy. I love it. And, and, and so and like I had to send them room. on this scavenger hunt basically to find the key to their room. I wonder like that had to be one of the girls nicknames, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, who's who's called Lemmy? I love it. <laughs> yeah, I never met them at the time. I was still yeah. driving on my way to Vegas, so yeah. like I had to send the like pictures that the lady had sent to me of what they're supposed to do and like which room <laughs> they're supposed to go to. It became a real life board game or yeah. escape room. Or oh yeah, yeah, it was like an escape room because <laughs> it was in the Nevada desert, and so we had different like you know levels of reception. So they went out of order, and they had to like piece it together. <laughs> exactly oh that's perfect and and the thing that makes it great was that that it wasn't just the cco guys and their friends that were there because they had (laughs) caught up with uh dana roach and max crandell oh yeah (laughs) and i don't know if you know dan kraus but if you don't you should because he's a legend i only buy like twitter affiliation i haven't had a chat to uh dan yet though yeah oh wonderful dude yeah. Yeah. That, and so they were, they all had just like decided to hang out in our room and then they had to get moved to the other room. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, this is uh, it. It's like, you know, the Vegas good times that I, uh, I really, really hope we can be a part of at some stage and, you know, make our way over there. But uh, again, we, uh, we, we, we kind of fantasize about the future and everything, but uh, we'll make it happen for sure and uh, be part of some Nevada stories. Yeah. Love it. You say Next fantasize, morning? I oh, say planning. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, do or do or not. There's no try. No, we're just gonna do it. So yeah, mm-hmm. don't. Uh, you know, you kind of, you say it until it happens, essentially, and which it will. So um, pack your bags, Chesh. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, next one was who would you most like to have dinner or drink with, dead or alive, real or fictional? Oh. Uh, mm. Okay, so I'm going to go with my usual go-to for this one. Uh, nice. I'm going to say Aristotle. Oh, that's a great answer. Mm. That's a great and, answer. And the reason is because Aristotle wrote uh, a series called The Poetics, and there's The Poetics of Drama, and mm-hmm. the ones that we lost were The Poetics of Comedy. So, like, we've had this document from a well-respected philosopher that kind of builds a lot on western or builds a lot of western culture like a lot of what we understand about drama comes from this Mm. but like the what we lost we lost the thing about comedy so i'd like to talk to him about like what his thoughts about what is comedy and potentially if that just to kind of imagine completely different these days like that's an interesting thing to Mm -hmm. think about if it would be like, because that's such a uh, a beacon of influence, it's like wow, like it it might not have been Jerry Seinfeld and you know, like and, and like yeah. it might have looked completely different, you know. But uh, in a butterfly effect kind of way, anyway, that you know, so many everything influences everything, and yeah, interesting. I never knew that little um kind of thing. That's actually the type of thing I'd love to watch some uh, docos of and, and kind of investigate further. Yeah. And full disclosure, I could be a little wrong because, like, I've had a fusion in tonics, so my memory might be a little <laughs> off on that. 
Uh, <laughs> we're all fine with accuracy here. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's all fine. Yeah. No, I love it. Good answer. Love it. I only have an associate's degree in this stuff too. So, yeah. <laughs> only Take that how you got, Well, there you go. You've got a degree. You one up on me. So, uh, yeah. Oh. I've got, yeah, I've it's got just a piece of paper. Yeah, it is, but it's like it's it's nonetheless admirable to me. It's I think that's that's actually really really awesome. Uh, next one was: Do you have a video game hall of fame? So a favorite or like a favorite few? You know, aside from the usual hall of fame, Super Mario Brothers stuff, Secret of Mana is very formative for me. Oh yes, yes. Uh, also, Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger. Yep. Chrono Trigger soundtrack. Uh, I can't remember who else said it. I think it was Gavin Verhey, but yeah, that is that is an outstanding piece of mm. you know that soundtrack is is excellent. Chrono Trigger is a masterpiece. Like it, like oh, yeah. the the game art, the story, like everything about it, masterpiece. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, I know I'm gonna skip through a bunch of stuff that I feel very strongly about. I I oh, definitely fine. have a strong love for the Silent Hill series, uh, Eternal Darkness. Um, definitely in the Hall of Fame. Oh uh, boy. Uh, I okay. I stand Bayonetta, but yeah, no, I'll put Bayonetta in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no. It's uh, nice. Lately, the games I've been into, I, I've finally put down Hades and been playing a bunch of Hades, and it's great, yeah. and I love it. Uh, I've moved on to, to Disco Elysium. Oh, of course, you were, yeah, you were and, playing that. So that's probably yeah. at the top of the list of games I need to play, and, and I just need to find out how to, because I think, uh, I don't know if it's on Mac or anything like that, if I'm going to play it on that, but um, I was I was hoping for like a PS4 release or something, or something else maybe even a switch or something but yeah that that looks to me like i've heard the that they're gonna they're gonna do it to a console soon yeah exactly hopefully that's sooner um but yeah dying to play that so that's that's been um yeah i can i can imagine quite a intelligent game uh but in like just mm-hmm. completely original concept in in that it's dealing with like as far as i know what like mental health and rpg like rpg elements in the in the strangest kind of connection yeah, it it deals with like addiction and mental health and uh like just I guess storytelling in a way. It, it's actually interestingly sparked a bit of a video game book club between me and some friends that I'm in a D&D game with. Oh, nice. Always wanted to do that concept for sure. It's like sharing sharing a couple of titles and it's like and getting people into things that are like, oh, they might not be into whatever, but discussing. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. Well, well, with that one in particular, you can have such a vastly different experience based on the skills that you choose. So it's kind of like mm. we're talking about like, oh, this is my experience with my sort of skills, my skill set. Mm. Ah, I love it. All right. Recommend us an album. Oh, ooh. Okay. Music I'm less good at, which is weird because I play a few instruments. Uh, okay. So I guess one of my old favorite, throwing back to like the high school, junior high era, the refreshments, fizzy, fuzzy, big and buzzy. I do not know this, but I need to know this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like alternative rock. They have like six songs about getting drunk in Mexico. Hell yeah. But uh, yeah, I enjoy the heck out of that one. I, I continually come back to that album. 
All right, genres: alt rock, jangle, comedy rock. All right, I'm in. This is this is a time. Yeah, why haven't I not yeah. heard this? I probably have uh, when we uh, get down to some tracks, actually. But uh, yeah, yeah. Weirdly enough, I think they also did the uh, King of the Hill opening theme. Oh, oh! I was going to say Lexicon. I see a lot of uh, King of the Hill like memes and love. So uh, yeah, no, good time. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Let's see, Daft Punk, Discovery, always a good yep. one. But totally. I mean, that's that's pretty classic stuff. Uh, I'm at a loss. Like, I have a whole genre of capoeira music that I'm into. That's right. You uh, you do capoeira, don't you? I, yes, yes, I do. You're quite uh, quite adept, as far as I know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I kind of gotten into stuff like kind of African Latin percussion stuff, but it's like hard to recommend an album with that. Mm. But that's definitely kind of in my uh, in my vein. I just uh, ooh, um, oh god, Falamansa. So like, my teacher got me into uh, the uh, Brazilian foho scene, and mm-hmm. it's not an album, but uh, Falamansa is a pretty good band if you're into kind of a almost countryish but not quite sort of thing. Yeah, awesome, awesome, love it. <laughs> um, next one was best magic art. Best magic art. Hmm. And not objectively Oof. best, but it's, uh, you know, it's usually like your funniest or like the one you love the most, you know, of course. Ah, uh, hmm. Does it have to be on a card? Not necessarily. Okay. So Ryan Pancoast is my favorite magic artist. Mm-hmm. And he did a, um, it wasn't on a card, but he did the Kenrith family portrait. Oh, wow. I see it now. Yeah, I never saw this. And uh, That is amazing. Like, uh, so I'm half black, half white, and just, like, having the kids there that are half black, half white in this blended family, uh, it just, like, to me, that's such an amazing piece. Mm. And I love how you can look at that and you can totally get the character of all of the people in there. Like, Mm. um, let's see. I'm trying to like how Rowan kind of stands apart. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much in this. Like she's as far as this character and and there's, there's so much in their faces. Exactly. Yeah. Like she's the only one not really wearing the colors of everybody else. And she's mm-hmm. got kind of this, like, defiant pose. But then, like, you can see how uh, Will and Rowan are sort of, like, right next to... I think that's Eric is his name? And, yeah, Eric. And, like, you can tell it's like, yeah, okay, so, like, these are kids that he had with someone else, but they're very fiercely protective of their younger brother. Mm. And I'm like, you totally get that vibe from this. And then, like, you've got Hazel, which is the which is the girl on the uh, on the right hand side. And I'm just like, I look at this film at uh, this picture and I'm like, you totally know that she's tying her bed sheets together and like sneaking outside the castle and just like having adventures where the servants are like, you need to not be here. And then she just does it anyway. Like there's that oh, sort yeah. of defiant pose to her. Like oh, it's it. a beautiful piece. Yeah. yeah, there's this. I I'm so glad you said this because I'd never seen this before, and um, this is like a magnificent piece, and it's yeah. I wonder if I don't know, I'm sure people proxied it on cards actually, which would be 
I don't know where you put it. Actually, it doesn't really matter because it's it's more like it's a background piece, like you say, that that connects and yeah. and builds on a lot of existing cards in a really cool way. But yeah, oh, I love yeah. it. I, I I see a whole like uh, I don't know if you're a Dark Souls fan, but um, there's a lot of uh, stuff attributed to like Sir Gu- uh, not Sir Gwyn, literally Gwyn, the god, uh, and and Gwyn's family and the speculation of that and all the kind of study that went into all the characters around. And there was almost this level of like, what do these characters mean as they investigate and, and look for who these, yeah, who these characters actually are. But um, yeah, that's an amazing piece. Love it. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Not Good even choice. on a card. Just <laughs> exactly. done. It's, because. Wow. It's, yeah. You've actually blown me away because I did not know that existed. It's, it's incredible. Um, hopefully mm-hmm. get a, uh, is it, did you say Hazel uh, is a name? Yeah. Hazel is her yeah. name. Getting a Hazel so card, that'd be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Eric Hazel too. and Eric, and then there's Kenrith and uh, Lyndon and Will and Rowan. That's right. Now, Lyndon is, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say, would there be a reason for them to each represent one color? But it's not, not, probably not necessarily, because, I mean, Lyndon and Will and Rowan, each, they cover, I guess, the Jeskai colors, and uh, there could be the other two potentially mono green, mono black, because, I mean, King is is all five goals. Maybe. Who knows if they did that? I don't know. But um, yeah, very, very cool. But there's Um, already so much more interesting stuff going on in this picture. Oh, totally, totally. And then like Happily Ever After is a uh, a five-color card technically as well. Like that's... Yeah. mm, A lot of speculation. Love it. So, uh, Mm -hmm. all right. Uh, Recommend us a movie, Lenny. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Recommend a movie. Um, Lord... I don't watch as many movies as I should. Does it have to be a good movie or a bad movie? Hell no. So we've talked a little bit about like so bad it's good. Like that's totally a uh, a quality, I'll say. Mm. So um, yeah, go as right. bad as you want. All right. So uh, I love bad movies. So uh, we're going to, well, I'll recommend a good movie and a bad movie. Um, so bad movie uh, is The Gay Bed and Breakfast of Terror. What? <laughs> yeah, that sounds bad. <laughs> Need to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the yeah. most fantastic name I've ever heard. It's insane. <laughs> Completely insane. It's, it's in we're, that Goldilocks zone of 3.6 out of 10 on IMDb. So we're talking about some quality. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, this is good. Yeah, no, it's pretty It's pretty bad. It's gratuitously gay. And uh, yeah. there's like murder and there's bizarre like occult right-wing conspiracy nonsense that happens in it it's it's wonderful <laughs> sounds fantastic and it it's like you you show up to like i want a bad movie and like let's do it um god i have two actually good good movies to recommend that i liked uh one that i watched recently which was uh so a bit of background my husband and i my husband loves to watch bad gay movies on amazon yeah because gay cinema is like a whole thing and a lot of it's bad just saying <laughs> uh but there's <laughs> one movie we watched recently that we liked a lot called a moment in the reeds and it's about this like developing relationship between this guy whose dad is kind of conservative and not approving which is a common thread, but he's like mm. studies literature in Paris and he comes back to help his dad with a, um, with his house that he's restoring and his dad. And this is in Finland. It's set in Finland. Mm. 
uh, so subtitles. And his dad hires a um, a refugee from uh, I want to from Syria, and it's kind of like this gay relationship that develops between this guy from Syria that was hired on to help with restoring this like cabin by the lake in this rural area of Finland and like the relationship dynamics and how it works out. They're so really, really well done. And I really like mm. that. That sounds like a little bit like, where was it? Uh, so yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it is like, that's a, that's a 6.7 on IMDb. We're talking about good movies now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, um, and, and another one I really like is Whatever Happened to Monday, which is a, like a sci-fi movie where it's like kids are, they're only allowed to have like one kid. And uh, a, the this one couple has like seven. And so like they're all named after different days of the week. And they all basically <laughs> pretend to be this one person. So he keeps all his daughters in hiding. And they have a singular identity that they pretend to be, but like each person gets a day where they get to pretend to be that person, and they're <laughs> named after the days of the week that they get to be the actual real person. Wow. What a concept. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was pretty good. I liked it a lot. Hey, William Defoe and Glenn Close in there, too. Nice. Hell yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. Love William Defoe. Um, now I'm definitely checking him out. So that's uh, yeah, fantastic. Uh, next one was, um, where was it? All right. He's, he's, we never know if it, this one's going to elicit a response out of people, but you'll try it anyway. Do you have a favorite Pokemon? Uh, mm, Drapion or possibly Garbodor. I like poison type. <laughs> what was the, what was that's the garbage fair. one? Was that literally one that's like a garbage bag? That's the one that's it's a garbage, garbage bag. Oh, yes. I was like. Trubbish, trubbish slash I couldn't remember if that existed because my uh, my memory past like Gen three gets a bit hazy, but it's like because uh, it, I didn't do much. But yeah, what's it called? Garb what? Garbodor. 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 <laughs> First search. Yeah. Garbodor weakness. And, and it's plastic. The plastic bag that you're referencing is actually trubbish. Oh yes, that's so right. There's trubbish evolves into a trash yeah, pile called. Garbodor. I remember this. And Garbodor is essentially the stink spirit of um of Spirited Away, essentially, right? Because you got like bicycles and ships. I haven't watched Spirited Away in like fifteen years. So well, yeah, sure. but, yeah, but well, you you can't. You, I mean, watch again, please. But uh, the the bit that I'll always go back to and never forget is the uh, the the ultimate satisfaction of when she pulls the bike and then all the stuff out of the stink spirit and it unravels. It's like I've never seen something so satisfying in in media. It's great. How cute is Garbodor? Just a big old trash boss. Like it just, mm. Mm. and 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 cute little uh, trash bag as well. Oh, I I love it. <laughs> Trubbish. <laughs> so what's the Drapion? Uh, Drapion is a yeah poison dark. Yeah, Drapion looks like a uh, a tripod that you put and, in camera. Uh, mixed between um, a C seven and a, uh, a, a Chinese. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think of it as a Scorpiotar. Scorpion yeah. Senator. I just love where Drapion's arms are. <laughs> These arms are going to come out of my face. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh, it's that's the other one. That's the uh, the Scorpion. Yeah, oh, gorgeous. Oh, this is fun because it's like I'm seeing Pokemon I've never seen before, and that's this is yeah. I, I I joke though. It's like Pokemon is the fun one that it's like the weird personality test thing, and I always get delightful answers out of people, uh, even if they're not out into Pokemon. They'll they'll usually have one. So yeah, yeah. respect. 
I love it. All right, time to round it all out uh, in the in the best possible way. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Lenny, in just a few words, what does magic mean to you? Okay. Uh, yeah. So, what does magic mean to me? Um, uh, going with community is definitely the word that I would say means the most to mm-hmm. me. Uh, you know, we're all engaging in a shared hobby and you know we can kind of talk about it and engage on it and like we aren't necessarily doing it in the same way but we're talking about the same thing and we can kind of connect to each other with this shared space and shared language so back to my one word magic to me is community yeah Absolutely, and I, uh, yeah, I, I feel that completely, and it's, you know, I've, I've said it before, but we wouldn't be out of this conversation if it wasn't for the game. But the interesting part is where we take it from there, for sure. So, um, yeah, no, very, very grateful to have you around, Lenny, and, and always, uh, yeah, respect views. I always find something interesting to talk about. There's, there's so much still to to uncover, and like, you know, like I said, let's talk more about, uh, let's talk more about theatre for sure. It's, um, but we'll keep continue it going, and and. I'm definitely uh, certain to find you uh, at a at a commander table frequently as as it goes in, in a great way that um, you can expect to find Lenny uh, in all the all the cool uh, looking for the game webcam channels that matter around the uh, the, the interwebs kind of thing. So um, yeah, uh, definitely recommend if you ever get the uh, any of our listeners get the. Uh, the the joy of and privilege to play against Lenny, they're going to have a great time and uh, and and get pretty inspired for some uh, some good decks to play. So um, yeah, thanks so much for joining us on the show uh, today, Lenny. Well, it's been a fun hangout and and you know it's topics that we never know that are going to pop out of these conversations, but they do, and it's 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 always really great. So um, yeah, thanks for being here, man. Well, thank you for having me. That's great. So uh, where can people find you, my friend? All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Lenny Woolley. That's at L-E-N-N-Y-W-O-O-L-E-Y. I don't really tweet all that much, but uh, you can always DM me. Um, And then I'm in a bunch of discords. Uh, We don't have time for me to list them all, but uh, (laughs) if you at a Johnny's Gay Pride mate on Twitter or at Lenny or at f-u-l lemmy like with the m's <laughs> exactly <laughs> you can find me um yeah that's how you can find me um i also need to do a shout out because my husband does have an etsy shop that i haven't talked at all about i almost worked. forgot exactly this yeah uh steven's uh etsy store absolutely rocks it's amazing yeah, he he does like custom patches, dice bags, stuff like that. Uh, so if you're looking for something like that, we can hook you up there too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very very crafty and and some amazing stuff that um yeah I think uh I think our listeners will be very interested in for sure. So nice one, uh, Chesh, my friend. Where can people find you? Look behind you. <laughs> <laughs> in the trash bag. Yes. That's all people get this week. Look at the yeah, show notes. Exactly. I love it. Uh, you can, of course, get in touch with the podcast uh, via, ideally, the website at cmdrcrunch.fireside.fm, uh, at Twitter at, at cmdr underscore crunch, or on Instagram at cmdrcrunch, or send us feedback, thoughts, uh, questions, 
pictures of cephalids, whatever you feel like, uh, to cmdrcrunchpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can also find me at Pass the Jam Sam on the Twitters and the Instagrams. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's as I said, been a lovely episode and, and just been a lot of fun to uh, hang out and, and share influences again. And uh, yeah, look forward to having you back at some stage, but more, more importantly, look forward to playing some Commander with you very, very soon, Lenny. So thanks so much. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, now, now, do we have any advice to give our listeners on the way out? Here we go. I've go got for one it. for you. If you watch Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. and you feel empathy for Scott Pilgrim in the movie, perhaps take a look at yourself because it means that you're a horrible person. Interesting. Seconded. Got... Definitely. Good advice. All right. Take care, <laughs> friends. Bye. Bye.